Hello, and welcome to the MindMeld Live video podcast. The last one we did was a Twitter Spaces, so if you want to get the full uh, history, go check out our Twitter Spaces. There was a recording. We did a little roundtable. But we are back today on YouTube, and uh, I'm Kyra. We have here Kenny, founder of Shell, and Aaron from Gaslight here to talk about gas optimizations and all kinds of exciting things. So uh, I will let them do their introductions, and then we will get into the show. Uh, Kenny? Sure, yeah, I'm Kenny. Um, those who have seen the MindMeld Live podcast before know I'm the... Uh chief economist and founder. And I'm really excited to be here talking to Aaron and learning about something that's near and dear to everyone's hearts all the time, but especially during bull markets, uh, gas optimization. Yeah, I'm Aaron. I'm the co-founder of Gaslight. Uh, we are a smart contract development and gas optimization auditing company, and everything we do is with uh, gas optimization front of mind. And uh, unfortunately, we will be losing Kenny to important secret shell business in about half an hour, but uh, we will enjoy him for the time that we have him. And uh, I wanted to ask you, Aaron, we, we, I heard just enough to pique my interest before the show, but I wanted to ask, how did you find your way into Web3? Uh, how did you end up here? Yeah, so I... I think I'm, I'll always say I have a you know non-traditional entry, but I, everyone in this space has a non-traditional entry. So I, I don't know that I'm not unique. But I'm not sure if we have tradition yet. <laughs> yeah, no. kind of have to be a little off the beaten path to have stumbled into crypto. But um, back when I was in college, I had some friends who are really geeked out on crypto um, and mining, and specifically. Uh, I was super pessimistic about it. I was like, this is super sketchy, shadowy, you know, internet money. And so I first started learning about crypto just so I could tell them how wrong they were about all things crypto. That was like back 2015, 2016. Um, by the time I graduated college, um, ICO boom happened in 2017. I started really paying attention to, to crypto and Web3 in, in a more optimistic way. Uh, at the same time, I was always on a law school path. So I you know, went to law school and started getting really geeked out just on philosophy of money, the law of money. Um, and then I found you know, every paper I wanted to write was about crypto because there wasn't a ton that was out there that was written about it. It seemed just like uh, the Wild West, everyone always says, but the Wild West of you know, this regulatory regime where I could really write you know, new and unique ideas and, and try to apply our current, you know, regulatory regimes and laws to this new and interesting technology that I, I kind of had a background in. Um, so I did that. I started at, you know, my big fancy law firm, was working there for a while and, and just felt too disconnected from crypto. I was about to leave to go to a firm where I would be just doing crypto law work all the time. And kind of at that same intersection point, my co-founder approached me and was like, Aaron, you know, what if instead of, you know, going to this other law firm to do law crypto work, what if you just did 100% crypto and helped me start this company? So lo and behold, uh, Gaslight was was born. And that was just, you know, eight months ago, nine months ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's that's so recent. And at the same time, that's like a couple of years in crypto time. In crypto time, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we were, we're, we're actually working on a... Um, 
you know, 2023 smart contracts wrapped, you know, like a Spotify wrap, but for smart contracts. And we were like going back through, you know, just everything that's happened this year. And I was, we were like, what? Like that exploit happened in this calendar year? How can that be right? Because crypto is- I want to see this when this comes out. This sounds delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're excited about it. uh, Yeah. Your your top five biggest hacks, I guess. Um, (laughs) I wish that more crypto haters had your drive. I feel like they would end up being converts Um, (laughs) as, as well. And yeah. um, I guess the next part of this is, uh, you know, for those who don't know, tell us about Gaslight. What do you, how are you guys changing the world? Sure. So, you know, we started as just an auditing company. So, you know, when we first launched, uh, essentially, you know, Harrison, my co-founder, he's, his whole background is, you know, he's the technical co-founder and he had really started um you know, publishing these long form Twitter threads about gas optimization. Companies started reaching out to that to him and asking if he would review their code um, and eventually got to a volume where, you know, it was a sustainable business model. So when we first launched, you know, we were just doing the, the auditing side of things. So we would, you know, talk to a company, go into their code base, quote them, and then do kind of a deep dive on their entire code base, the architecture of, of you know, how they had built their project. Um, and then spend a lot of time, you know, giving recommendations with them and working with them to to implement those recommendations and then doing benchmarking to show the reduction in gas costs. Um, so that's where we started and we still do a lot of gas auditing. But, you know, as we've kind of grown as a company, we've expanded um, more into also doing um, smart contract development. Um, mm-hmm. So we've grown a really cool community um, Telegram group chat called Optimization Fans with, you know, just some of the smartest developers that we found in the space who really want to, you know, talk about optimization on a, a consistent daily basis um, and who are really interested in it. And it's, you know, been an awesome source for us to just build community, find the best talent, find the people who really care about about gas optimization, but also about really clean, smart contract development. Um, and now we also do, you know, development for companies who reach out to us and, and want to do not just the auditing side, but really want us to handle more of the bulk of either, you know, consulting with them on the architecture of, of building their protocol or um, they want us to actually do the smart contract development. So we're, we're both yeah. sides, the development and the auditing side now. I, um, I want to mention real quick and then I have a question. <laughs> First, guys, if you're watching, uh, the uh, MindMeld chat channel on our Discord is open. So if you have questions, comments, uh, holiday cheer, please drop it in the chat. I have it open here, and I will intermittently read off your questions. So uh, uh, we're not looking at the YouTube comments. So if you do have a question, please drop it in Discord. Shell drop Protocol Discord. And um, my, my question... I guess in in our experience on the deck side, you know, we watched sort of what happened with like Uni uh, V4 and like this idea that not only were they sort of writing their code to try and optimize for gas, they were actually sort of like lobbying the Ethereum Foundation to change like the costs or like change the way that certain things were implemented at the Ethereum level so that they could do the things they want to do more efficiently. Is that, is that something that you think about? Like how the gas costs of operations are going to change with updates from the foundation? And do you, do you talk with them about that? 
Uh, you know, we haven't, um, I, we haven't collaborated with, with the foundation. And I think for us, you know, we look at, you know, what's right in front of us right now, what version yeah. of solidity we're working with right yeah. now, um, and try to help the space with where it's at. Because I think what we see is a lot of people who, a lot of people come to us and they're like, aren't you concerned that eventually like your business model will just be irrelevant? Like, aren't you concerned that eventually like all of these things will be fixed by the Ethereum Foundation or by other people in the space or by L2s? And like, and ultimately, you know, when we started this company, um, we really just saw the problem of gas fees and the issues that people have with trying to do like a minor trade and having to pay, you know, $100 gas gas fee to do a, buy a $50 NFT. Um, and for us, our ethos has really always been that if, you know, gas is fixed across the space and our job is irrelevant, like that's the best outcome, you know, like if we, if our jobs end up being obsolete, if, if in other sectors of the area, we've improved gas so much that, that people don't need us, like that's a phenomenal outcome. Yeah. So I, you know, it's something that, you know, we think about, it's something that we talk and collaborate about, but I don't think it's, you know, it's not like a concern, business concern for us at this moment. I think also just no matter like how optimized like the EVM gets or whatever layer one, layer twos become, there's always going to be like an efficient way to build something and a less efficient way to build something. And even if like the cost of a swap goes down to like a negligible amount, the thing is, is that like, I kind of look at like blockchain throughput and gas costs is, is a bit like like processing power where yeah, like, like bandwidth where like if you give developers and product designers like more processing power more bandwidth they're just going to find more stuff to do with it and you're always going to want to like shave that off and make it as efficient as you can because i think for the foreseeable future like computation on a blockchain is going to be trillions of times more expensive than computation in like a cloud server in some like warehouse somewhere. And so it's just going to be like, <laughs> you're going to want to like reduce that cost. And I think personally, I think you guys, your guys' business model is going to be valid for like centuries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it's so interesting you bring up the, you know, computation power because, you know, a lot of people assume like, oh, you're only working with projects that are deployed on mainnet, but we actually, you know, our biggest customers have been on L2s. And we say, you know, when we're helping a customer optimize who's built on an L2, we're optimizing for that computation power so that, you know, they're not limited to, you know, 50, minting 50 NFTs in a block, you have 500, right? Yeah. Uh, And so one of our clients, we actually even, we optimize them so much on L2 that they were able to deploy on mainnet and kind of unlock that liquidity. So I think there's, you know, there's so much that is not talked about or, or not optimized um, when people are writing because it's such a new space. Solidity is relatively a very new programming language. Um, and, and, you know, there's very few people who have, you know, such a height of expertise in it to know how to change it at the implementation level. Um, I guess this ties into something I asked on the Twitter spaces, but I'm curious. With a project like Gaslight, where um, your clients are really like developers and other projects. Is mm-hmm. there is there still a place for more of sort of like a an end user community, you know, like a Discord or a Telegram, or is, is it really developers that are like the sort of the meat and potatoes of your of your community? Uh, you know, the community that that 
queer running, it, it's definitely developers. But, yeah. you know, we do find that when we're par partnering with different projects and we still end up with a lot of end user traction and, and a lot of publicity comes from just generally people in the space who know who we are and not necessarily developers. Um, so when we partner with, um, you know, with different companies and help them with their protocol and, and kind of want to promote that, you know, whatever company we're working with, whatever protocol is really putting gas fees front of mind, that they are doing everything in their power to reduce, you know, the the end um, impact on their user. You know, we want to be connected to their end users, too. And we do want, um, you know, there to be kind of an expectation in this space that you are doing a gas optimization audit that you are caring about gas fees and caring about the impact yeah. it's having on your users. So in that way, I think we do connect with, with end users, but the community that we run is, um, is right now at least uh, limited to developers in the space. I think in our experience, when we've uh, had audits done or worked with outside parties on our code, we found them to usually be like booked out for many, many, many months. <laughs> do you feel like you're pretty much like, you know, capacity constrained versus like lead constrained when it comes to what you're doing? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't find us to be capacity constrained because we mm. have a pretty um, flexible capacity model in which like we have, we don't have other people who are working full time for us. We have like a pool of, of talent that when we need to expand out, we'll pull additional yeah. authors in. Um, so right now, you know, we haven't yet experienced, you know, that pain point of like, oh my God, we have like all of these audits booked out and we don't have the, you know, the people to, to handle them. Yeah. We have been really strict and really locked down on, on who else we allow to be on the audits. And, and right now, as it's been, uh, Harrison is still the lead auditor on, on every single one. Um, and so eventually, you know, as we scale, we're, um, as we, you know, grow more trust, um, we're moving away from that. But I think what we want as a company, what we want our brand to be is just, you know, the, the company that cares the most about exceptionally written code. Um, and so our, our standards for who we're going to let onto our team <laughs> are, are really high. Have you been... Um... I mentioned intents earlier. I'm just curious, have you been seeing projects come to you with like an intent model for their transactions as far as how they run their code or not so much yet? Not so much yet. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like that probably partially has to do with the way intents sort of transfer the burden of gas savings to the solver, you know? Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. Kenny, you've been in the trenches with uh, Shell V3. How's the, how's the gas optimization from your perspective? For Shell V3? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it's basically the same as Shell V2. Um, I mean, I think kind of our, our philosophy um, in terms of gas optimization, I mean, there's a lot of things there's a lot of like angles to attack. They're not mutually exclusive. Like they all kind of like add, they're all additive in yeah. my experience. Um, it seems that like from an architecture standpoint, like if you can build your protocol to, to rely more on like writing, reading and writing from memory and less reading and writing to storage, it seems to be sort of like 
to my perspective, like usually like, like a relatively easy win if you can like it, but it requires like some like critical thinking in terms of like, how do you set up the code to, to, to keep track of what's in memory? Whereas like, it's usually a little bit like less critical thinking to just like Deal write it, read and write it from storage. Like, especially if you're just like building like a proof of concept, but um, yeah. And then of course I, one thing that was kind of cool uh, cause this, this code, we haven't really had this code, uh, looked at or audited since, um, our trail of bits audit about 12, 16 months ago. So we had like a code arena audit and a lot of the code arena people had a lot of cool suggestions on like the gas optimization side of like, Hey, you should do this in like assembly and not like using like regular scripts. I don't know. I mean, like I'm not a technical <laughs> guy. Uh, uh, assembly is great but we do find like for our customers we're like we try not to introduce it just because it really screws with the readability and it can make your future security audits cost more so <laughs> we we try to stray from that but um but it yeah it, it does reduce gas costs so fair enough i, I guess well uh, i mean i thought it was interesting i don't know like I, again i'm not saying it was a good or bad idea <laughs> um I, I guess i'm kind of curious aaron like when you guys do like a gas optimization audit or just or just a general like code quality audit um what are the big things you guys um look for and and find is worth focusing on um yeah i mean i think we just look for uh, primarily and i'll say this as the non-technical co-founder so we're we're a bit bit we're we're all in the same boat pushing the the bounds of of my expertise a bit but generally i mean we look for a lot of redundancies in the code we look for where storage is being wasted um and yeah generally i mean we also end up I find because I do like the I'll help with the final reports where we're kind of synthesizing to communicate what we've done to the non-technical people myself. Um, but we're, we're generally like also reducing like general lines of code because we, again, find a lot of redundancies in code bases that are, um, you know, doing the same loop over and over again, or they have several parts of a contract that are accomplishing the same um, that are creating the same mechanism. So I, I know that just from a general perspective, that's what we kind of bop in. Look at. We also look at what version of Solidity um, a company is using. So if they're using a super outdated version of Solidity, um, that can contribute to to having messy inefficiencies within the code base. Um, so those are my my top of mind. And then we look also lightly for you know if we see security bugs, we'll point them out, we'll grab them. But generally, if someone wants like a full-scale security audit as well we'll bring in a security company to to work with us on the audit i guess one one thing that i think is really cool about being like a smart contract auditor is that you get exposed to a lot of a lot of projects in web3 across many different verticals and not just are you exposed to them but you get exposed to them early on so do you have any like uh, any any trends you see that you think are really interesting in terms of what people are building? Um, like, Great what question. are you looking for? Because you're, you're I, I see you guys are about like you know six months. What you guys see today is like be like <laughs> yeah, you're seeing like six, six months six into months the future. Now. So yeah. what are you seeing that that like gets you excited for uh, the next three to six months? Yeah, definitely. Such a good question. And um, when I was, I worked at like a crypto law firm for a little while and I got to see so many cool projects there. I call it like the God view when you get to like see everything that's happening in this space instead of just one thing. 
Um, but when I was at the crypto law firm, you know, you're locked down on anything you can talk about it, even if they're your client, because it's, you know, attorney client privilege. So it's so cool now. I'm like, I can talk about <laughs> all the cool things. Um, are, do do projects ask about. you to like keep things in confidence ever? Or are they the opposite? Are they like, please talk about this? Like, you know, yes. spread our... mostly the opposite. Um, okay. We do always go through like what confidentiality agreements they want. Of course, I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> with my background, I'm always, we always go through the, you know, what's confidential, what's not, what do, what do yeah. you want to talk about? But most people are like, please talk about it more. Um, I think, you know, Cairo, me and you were talking about this a little beforehand with your background, but I'm really excited about the gaming that's coming out in crypto mm-hmm. right now. Um, we worked with Pixel Vault, um, which was, a, you know, one of our bigger, bigger clients over the summer. Uh, and I hadn't really been paying attention to the crypto gaming space before that. Uh, and I was just, you know, really impressed to see how far it's come since, um, you know, from a few years back, I'd be at hackathons and we'd see like people creating a crypto game, but there was no point in the actual gaming. Like it was really like, um, creating another way for us to have a token go all over the charts. So, um, to see people building in the gaming space, um, that's something I've been really paying attention to. I also just read a book called tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, which is about like, a guy and girl co-founder who co-found a gaming company. And so gaming's been top of mind for me. Uh, so that, fiction, or, fiction or nonfiction? It's a fiction book, which is fun because there aren't a ton of like relatable fiction yeah, books. Yeah, that's very It was a little bit easier when you could find a lot of fiction books about, you know, random lawyers in New York City, but uh, not a lot of fiction books about girly pop tech founders. So uh-huh. um, so it was really fun to read, but had me back in the gaming and like crypto gaming minds headspace. And then the other thing I've been really paying attention to lately um, is BASE. And I think like BASE has been a really fascinating um, new project. We were just at Art Basel and they had a whole installation on the BASE house that you could go to and kind of like go in and have a really seamless user experience of like buying a coffee, the classic, but can you buy a coffee with crypto, buy a coffee with, um, on base. And so I really, I think everything that Jesse is doing with that team and really leading, moving forward in a way that's getting crypto to a place of, you know, having that perfect end user experience, uh, and, and having L2 that is kind of separate from the, the monetary incentivization, right? Because they just have Coinbase backing them. To my knowledge, they're not planning to like launch a token or anything at any point. And so... Uh, yeah, they've been pretty adamant about that. Yeah, it's interesting to to see what's being developed on, on base. So those are my like top of mind things right now. Regarding, uh, regarding games, do you see people, are they deploying, like I know Arbitrum Nova was sort of designed for games. Where do you see them deploying? Yeah, Arbitrum has, I think, been the the most popular one that we've seen. Um, Kenny, by the way, feel free to cut loose whenever you gotta. Whenever you gotta go, yeah. Um, oh yeah, we're losing Kenny. I know. Oh, Kenny. <laughs> Anything else you you want to say about uh, gas or lights or? <laughs> Shell. Yeah, Kenny. Maybe Kenny, we need to interrupt this for like a ultra fast like shell update before you go. Uh, Ultra fast shell update. Um, getting close to the end of the year. People are starting to power down, but um, 
internally we're starting to power up and really uh get get cracking for uh Shelby 3 and um token generation events. Other than that, um we'll have some updates, some like proper updates soon probably at the beginning of the next next year and I think one thing um I'll be thinking about when I'm, you know, when I am, I'll take, I'll, we'll take some time off. Uh, I think we all will over Christmas, even though we'll be, this will be a pretty busy holiday season for us. One thing I'll be contemplating is, I think one thing we've, we've haven't really succeeded in doing on our end is, is really conveying like the, the scale of the Shelby three vision and, and really what it, what it entails um, and, and how important a marketplace for DeFi protocols really is going to become. And so I'm going to be thinking about meditating on, in my mind about how do we um how do we distill this vision in, in a way that people can can not just understand but also get excited about and uh one thing i wanted to ask you aaron is you were i cairo mentioned that you you surfed uh, before the before the podcast started where are you based and and what kind of surfing do you like to do uh yeah so i'm i'm based in brooklyn but i've you know, spent a lot of time. I grew up out east on Long Island. So like Montauk, Ditch Plains. Um, I like grew up kind of knowing how to surf, but not particularly well. And uh, I think it's really actually just been certainly since starting Gaslight in this past summer that I really, I was like, I need, I need some part of my day where I can't look at my phone, where I physically can't look at my phone. And I'm sure you, you know, respect this as a founder that, if you just allow yourself to be with your phone 24-7, you will you will be on and you will be working 24-7. And so I was kind of looking for, you know, an outlet where I could force myself to not have my phone with me. And um, yeah, I just started surfing and I was like, oh, I'll stop like when it gets cold in September. And then I did it. And I was like in October and then I did it in November. I did it. And now I have my five mil, <laughs> my booties and my hood. <laughs> December in New York and I'm still going out. So I, I'm mostly, you know, I'm I'm still pretty new to being a consistent surfer. So I'm still, you know, predominantly longboarding and catching like nice cruising waves in and ditch planes. Um, but I'm excited. I'm actually I told Cairo I'm gonna be in LA for New Year's. So I'm gonna surf um down probably like Huntington Beach and then awesome. I'll be in Hawaii in, in March. Yeah, so I'm surfing over surfing there. Now. We can go surf together in Hawaii when you're here. Yes, please. I will mostly, I'll be on Big Island in Lanai, but I think I'm also adding in a Honolulu trip because I have some friends over there. So yes, I will come to you, Kenny. Thank you. With that, I got to sign off. Aaron, it was great to talk to you. uh, And I hope to talk to you again soon, but in person in Honolulu. Yeah, sounds great. Bye, guys. And uh, yeah, bye, Kenny. I'll I'll give my part of the shell update here really quick. Um, yeah, I know Kenny is working on this, sharing the V3 vision. I want to make sure you guys have everything you uh, need as far as the practical details of the token launch. Um, you guys have been asking good questions like, uh, you know, whether you should be preparing ETH or USDC or what to expect as far as time and how the vesting and the NFTs are going to work. So. Uh, we've been collecting all your questions and we've been ironing out the uh, NFTs for vesting and uh, we'll share some screenshots of the UI and uh, and a very detailed explanation soon. So there won't be any surprises when we actually do launch. Um, I also, I may or may not be taking some time off. I kind of don't like to say 
when I'm taking time off just because I'm like the point for the discord. And I feel like if I ever announce that I'm like on vacation, that's just like raising a massive flag, like come try and hack our server, oh. you know? <laughs> so, I was like, how are people going to know not to ask you questions? And you're like, well, they, they'll just ask and I'll, either I'll answer. Or we actually have um, uh, a, a brilliant, brilliant community moderator, um, Kim Nuf, who seems to, I'm not sure if he's an insomniac or what, but he's like always online. So um, some have speculated he's a he's a bot just for his superhuman abilities. But Aliza met him and she can confirm he's just a real guy. <laughs> but yeah, between the two of us, we uh, we try and keep the community uh, informed and somewhat well behaved. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've had some people we've delayed. Well, we haven't delayed. We've pushed our um, estimate for TGE a couple times in the past. So now, of course, we have our date and people are saying, oh, you're going to push it again. And like, yeah, maybe, but I, you know, we have a countdown. We, we're very committed. Kenny's going to lock us all in a house in LA and he's not going to let us out until we finish on time. So I'm pretty committed. <laughs> I, I, I think we're pretty committed to, to the token coming out um, when it does. Um, I, I have more questions about uh auditing and um if there's anything that you feel like is not your 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 place to answer just go ahead and blow me off Aaron but uh I wanted to ask like so I assume you guys are a US company you're US incorporated and I feel like being an audit firm actually has a much more traditional business model than say like being a DeFi protocol with a token. Correct. Like I feel like if you're a DeFi protocol with a token and you have like a foundation in like the Cayman Islands and stuff, your lawyers and your accountants are kind of like, we're not sure what we're doing here. But like you're essentially just selling like technical expertise. Yes. So is that, do you see that as like a smaller like risk profile or how do you feel about that? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, that was part of the reason I felt more comfortable, like hopping to a company like this. Yeah. Of course, the other side of that is like, you know, higher risk, higher reward, lower risk, lower reward. We are yeah. like a service-based company. Um, we do have, you know, we do also build things. So we build Gaslight Drop, which is the most efficient way to airdrop an ERC-721 token. Um, we built like a payment splitter. Um, we're working on some other fun things, but those are all, you know, free public goods. And at least in the short term, we don't, you know, plan to monetize those. We want our public goods to be used by the community and be another way to reduce gas savings across the board. Yeah. Um, so, you know, our primarily our primary business model is a service-based business model. So it's not like, you know, we have a token that one day can 100x and then we're going to be zillionaires. <laughs> That's Yeah. You know, it's not the, it, it's not potentially there. It's not on the upside. It's not in the roadmap. Uh, so I think there are a lot of people who, you know, maybe want to work in a crypto company because they might get that token and then might, you know, become a billionaire overnight or something. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly that um, is not where the perspective we were coming from. You know, we really came with just a goal for what we want from the space to see, you know, better smart contracts out there to see 
um, less gas waste. Um, and we have a you know business that luckily for us, you know, we're totally bootstrapped, we're profitable, um, we can sustain um, for you know for a while. <laughs> so I think you. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's been even at Shell the talk of like how much of your treasury do you keep in like ETH versus stables? You know, it's it's it's. Do you have opinions on that? Uh, yeah, we don't keep any anything that's um volatile. volatile. Yeah. yeah, and mostly from like a, a tax perspective and like a yeah. you know we don't want to be taking gains and losses on the way that we're being paid. Um, yeah, maybe when we're we have you know a more sophisticated regulatory understanding of what's happening in the world, we'll change our mind on that. But um, for the most part, right now we're really we function predominantly in in stables or fiat. Do you uh, do you have a stable coin that you prefer, or for whatever reason, like uh, the structure of the bat? No, they're all pretty equivalent. No, it's mostly USDC that we're USDC. we're transacting in, but um, but each their own. Uh, on the completely opposite side of that, I wanted to ask you just for fun. You know, if you say you were going to take like a six month sabbatical and like technical skill is not an issue and like regulatory is not an issue what would you want to build just like your heart's desire that's such a good question i honestly i really think i'm in this like video game mode right now and i you know some part of that is just you know there's a nostalgia and like a return to um you know, a world outside of our world. Um, there's almost like a fantasy escape that, that comes yeah. with the idea. What are the games that, that inspire you? So I've been really, again, back on my nostalgia BS, and I've been thinking about like a really, like a retro, like Spyro, Crash Bandicoot, like Mario Kart. Yeah. So I've been, really, <laughs> been in my, again, maybe it's Christmas time. Uh-oh. Maybe it's reading my, you know, fiction book that I just read, but I've been really fascinated with the idea of like, it's almost, where we first saw these online communities being built is is through video games and especially um, through open world video games. Uh, and I've, you know, from an early time when I would describe crypto or, you know, be trying to explain like the point of having an internet money, a uh, global internet money, um, a lot of times people came back to like, well, isn't it just like, you know, fake online internet, like video game money? And for me, I was like, yeah, it kind of is, except if that's the world you're living in, then it's not fake money. You're in that closed loop system, but it's it's real within whatever world you're functioning in. Um, yeah, so I think I like, like crypto like, and the alternate video game world have this money. you know, kind of beautiful relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, no. Cairo. Are we are we are we cutting out? Am I back? Aaron. I don't know if it's me or you. I think I've lost her. Ladies and gentlemen, we are down to one person on the show, which is not really a podcast. It's more of a monologue. So um, we do have a question from Elisa. We'll see if we can get Aaron back here. Uh... Oh, did we lose everybody? 
Seems like we even lost me. Well, that might be a sign. <laughs> uh, we usually go a little longer, but um, if we've lost our connection, maybe we'll wrap this one up. I'll wait another minute and uh, and see if we get Aaron back. Chat, can you see and hear me? Check in with the Discord channel. The elites don't want us to know about uh, Crash Bandicoot. I think that's the answer. They're shutting down our conversation. Okay. So you can see me. Elisa, can you see in here Aaron? Because if you can see in here both of us and we just can't see each other, that is unfortunate. All right. Well, I'm going to cut this one short, guys. If you're watching the recording, you've seen about two minutes of uh, technical difficulties here. But um, I think we'll see if we can get Aaron on another time and uh, maybe get Kenny and or Elisa as well. But uh, thanks for tuning in and Merry Christmas.